This is Actualize Freedom, straight talk on growing clicks and conversions on Amazon FBA from people doing it every day. Now here's your host, digital marketing acrobat, Danny Kenji Carlson. So let's jump right into the interview here, Ben. So there's a lot of people here who are really new. So let's just start with like, how did you even find out about Amazon? Like when you were just getting started, this wasn't, this wasn't a huge popular thing that everyone knew about, right? So I started in 2014, and at the time my wife was selling stuff on Etsy, decorative pillowcases under the brand Oh Susanna, and I was getting my MBA at a distance while working full time, and I had heard heard about selling. I can't even remember how I first heard about it, but my wife had some stuff, and so I was like, let me try hawking her wares on Amazon and uh, started doing it and then it took over what we were doing on Etsy. We were doing like 40, 40 or $50,000 for the year on Etsy at the time and then started selling on Amazon and then uh, started making more in profit from our, the Amazon sales and I was in my day job which was in product development at a company called Avery Dennison in uh, apparel decoration and then once it started uh, making more money on that, I decided I can take my time here, focus it on the Amazon business, grow it more than I was, you know, you know, ten, eight o'clock at night or whenever I could start working on it. And uh, so we took the leap and uh, started doing it full time, 2015. 2015. So this is the span of you started selling on Etsy in 2014 and 2010 then 2010 on Etsy. 2010 on Etsy. And then and Amazon on 24, in 2014, and then left the day job in 2015. Wow, okay, so like how many hours in the beginning were you spending on this stuff? Uh, you know, it's like after work kind of couple yeah, hours. Yeah, it was just, I mean, I, did, I disliked my job at the time, and I was working from home, so it was very easy for me to not do my day job stuff and work uh, on the Amazon business, the, the side hustle. And so it was, I don't know, maybe 10 hours a week, something like that to start. 10 hours a week. So this was, this was 2014 to 2015 when you started getting into the Amazon stuff? Yep. Okay, so from the day that you started, like once you moved off of Etsy and got onto Amazon, how long of a period was it of doing that 10 hours a week until you're able to do it full time? Uh, so when we started on Amazon, 10 hours a week for about a year, and then... A year, okay. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, man. And you mentioned that you really didn't like your job. You yeah. just you had a, a deep hatred for your job. Do you think that that was a motivator for you to, to spend so much extra time on Amazon and hustle on the weekends, those 10 extra hours a week? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Does anybody else here hate their day job? <laughs> like, <laughs> that was my motivator. <laughs> oh yeah, it was. It was not. In, I don't know. It, like every year, this it was a Fortune 500 company in the U.S. based. And every year they were doing layoffs in the fall, and so it's like, oh no, is it gonna happen this year or not? And uh, <laughs> and so I was there for like seven years. I don't know why I, it took me so long, but. Um, I was just saying, I wish I would have started Amazon, sell, selling on Amazon earlier. People say like, oh, now it's too crowded or whatever. I, I felt that in 2014 as well. So I think 
we were just saying the best time to start doing something is a year ago. Second best is right now. So totally, yeah. I mean, there's like there's always going to be some kind of excuse not to do something, right? Like, mm -hmm. in, yeah, like you said, in 2014, everyone's saying it's too late to get in, but in retrospect. It's ridiculous. That was the right. best time ever to get Yeah, it was awesome, yeah. <laughs> right, it's way different now. Way, um, launch process is a lot more challenging, different. So, yeah. Totally. So, w let's tell us a bit about your current situation right now. So, you're, you're currently traveling around the world with your wife. Yeah, um, and five-year-old. And the five-year-old. Yeah. So, what's the, the whole story with that? How did it start and, uh, like, what's your plan? So, my wife and I both love to travel we it's kind of how we met and so we like when we got married in 2010 both like all right we need to start a business so we started that business selling on etsy she did most of the work and then uh we didn't get to travel much because i was working and then finally we were starting to make enough money to leave the day job and we're like all right the time is now let's do it and then uh three years later <laughs> we're doing it. so um we're uh, all I need is a good, solid internet connection and uh, some time. So we're doing what we call slow travel. So we'll be like a month or more in each location, try to get routines going and uh, have like daycare and, and everything. And then uh, work a few hours a day, then go have fun uh, on the night, at, in the afternoons and the evenings. And uh, it's, it's been going great. So far, we actually sold our house in North Carolina in uh, just uh, actually almost exactly a year ago on the t a year ago tomorrow, and then uh, started traveling around the U.S. visiting family and friends, and then Canada for just over a month, and then we go to Hong Kong on Tuesday. Nice. So this is like the one-year anniversary of the start of your your whole digital nomad career, so to speak. Yeah. 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 And it's uh, doing FBA is a great, great position to be in for this type of lifestyle because if as long as you're not doing uh, fulfilled by merchant or merchant fulfilled, then you don't have to. You can just ship everything into Amazon and have them do all the the hard work. When we uh, were selling on Etsy, we had some like uh, Valentine's Day couples type stuff, couples pillowcases, and. Uh, we when we were still making it ourselves we had a day that we sold 70 units and it was just terrible to have to do that <laughs> yourself we're like packing it and we have a little kid and so uh now it's it's scalable and it doesn't require physical hands-on effort yeah it's been something i've been trying to tell my sister for so long actually it's funny she um she owns a handmade jewelry business, mm -hmm. and she actually just got her business featured on Etsy's monthly newsletter oh, that awesome. gets blasted out. They have like a million subscribers or something like that. And so now she's just like, mm -hmm. she like was working a waitressing job too. She had to quit that job just to, to fulfill all the orders that she's getting from there. It's totally not scalable, right? Yeah, right. She's got like a solid week of like 10 hour days to go fulfill all those orders from Etsy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, great thing about that. So, I mean, you're traveling around the world and I'd imagine you, you get to enjoy yourself and go out and do things. And you're not just crushing work in a hotel room wherever you go, right? right. Um, but that's probably not the case when you're just starting out um, with the Amazon stuff, right? There's certain grind periods where you just have to get a whole bunch of work done. Um, what were the hours that you're working during those grind periods compared to 
let's say like now when you're you're out in the summer and you're spending more time enjoying with your family yeah so right when i left my day job the security the warm blanket that i hated but <laughs> it was with insurance and everything i think it's different here in canada probably but uh it was it's it's scary to do that like what happens if amazon shuts down my account or what happens if uh like i don't know a competitor comes in that eats up eats your lunch and so uh, i was working really hard i was trying to find some ways to branch out and uh, like working really hard the off amazon side as well as the amazon side probably doing i don't know so some my wife likes to say like oh it's great being an entre entrepreneur i can work whichever 16 hour the 16 hours of the day i want <laughs> and so that's kind of what it was it's like whenever like we had a kid so it was whenever he was asleep or whenever we he was at daycare or what whatever we we're working and when we're when i'm like walking here i was on my phone doing doing work and it's like you kind of squeeze it in wherever you can right now it being that i'm trying to really enjoy where we are i there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't get done so i think uh like the having a good methodology for managing your tasks and and your uh the things that you have to do is is really important yeah so it's like there are things that you could be doing at any given time of the day but you don't your business is not going to break if you don't get those things done at this point that's what you're right. saying yeah you got to think about when does it become urgent and then what's most important that sort of thing awesome so i want to talk a bit about the most common sticking point for people getting into amazon for sure is selecting the first product so what was that like for you like how many you know how many months or weeks would you say of product research did you do before you just found the one that you you went you pulled the trigger and you just decided to go with it and what was what was that process like for you our our process i think is different than what a lot of people are doing like uh private labeling is not some i do a little bit of it to kind of extend our brand but uh i the the way that i'm looking at new products is uh so we, like what we do decorative pillowcases and so we could do new different new designs on it so i'm thinking about what are our seasons and how like what's what's a low season what happens then that we could create something for and then i do uh, some research on it uh, with popular tools and most people probably know about like uh, either jungle scout or scope or unicorn smasher those types of tools to to get sales volume see what would be worthwhile um, but one key aspect of of coming up with a new product that I stand by and that I think should be is the best way to be defensible on Amazon today is to make sure you're creating value and uh, maybe you're if you're an amazing marketer and have these ways to drive traffic and and grade it finding products using Jungle Scout then uh, then I'm sure there's ways to make money there but what I look for is Either what, where's the white space, what's missing, or what's something that uh, I've wanted and like, I'm like, oh, this, this thing breaks, breaks frequently, or this thing doesn't, it would be really cool if I had this extra thing on it, or 
um, things like that. I'll give you an example. Is uh, the um, so we were doing the pillowcases that brand, and uh, in 2016 we were living in Montreal for a couple months, and I was commuting, uh, riding my bike a lot to different different places, and we were at night. Had my my son on the back, and I wanted. I was a little nervous about people, cars all over the place, and I noticed that when wheels are spinning and they have the reflector on it, as a driver, I saw that all the time. It was that motion that really kicked, kicked it off, made it, made it catch your eye. And so I was like, all right, I wanna get some reflective socks. So I tried to find reflective socks and I couldn't find any. So I had the background, I saw on Amazon, so I made some. I actually brought, I'm wearing them right now. These, I sold them. Yeah. Uh, they look pretty cool if you, if you uh, have like a, your phone light and like it, it reflects light back to the source. It's actually a great um, idea. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so then I actually uh, was, did a Kickstarter for these to start and then uh, switched over to selling on Amazon after the Kickstarter and we worked out all the kinks in production and things like that. So that was something that I wanted and um, I'm extending the brand on that. I got several products related. It's called Reflectos. If anybody wants to buy some and review them, they're for sale on Amazon.ca. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's kind of my idea. Is and then our pillowcases, they're all my wife's a designer, so she created it as something that she would want to buy because she is like her our ideal customer. She likes to decorate the house and likes uh, the things that she makes. Um, and when you know when you are your audience, you know it, it very well and it makes it a lot easier. So Yeah, that that's awesome man. I love how you just have the example right there of your of your socks. And I also love that you did a Kickstarter for it too. Um so many people they asked like, oh I like I only have a few thousand dollars to get started. Um and it's like maybe maybe not enough for most products to get started, but if it's actually a good quality product that brings real value, you can do a Kickstarter for it. You don't actually need any money. And like, not that it's easy to do a Kickstarter, that's a whole tricky thing to do as well, but you can get people to literally just vote their dollars and validate your idea and then also give you the whatever $10,000 you need for your first order. Um, and then you don't need to go get some crazy loan, you don't need to save up $10,000, you don't need to do all this stuff. Um, you're all validated, you have the money, and you can just do it. There's a local entrepreneur here in Vancouver, uh, Ben Weir. He's, he's only like 23 years old or something like that, but he started his company, Bloomon, um, just off Kickstarter, and they did, they did like 180 grand in sales the first month of that company, and he started that off Kickstarter. He didn't have any money. <laughs> like him and his partner just, just did that. And I love that you can just do that these days. Like the barrier to entry to starting your own brand on the internet is literally zero dollars if you are resourceful enough and you can do it the right way right it's definitely not zero effort though on kickstarter yeah not, not like, zero effort that's for sure so yeah. the our kickstarter i'm not sure that i would do it again because it was so much effort all the traffic that uh goes to kickstarter at least to start is traffic that i sent there i reached out to influencers i the thing that pushed us over the edge was i found a youtuber that uh happened to be in australia that um, was keen on posting about, you know, this safety item for cyclists. And so he posted about it to his, I don't know, like 50,000 followers or something and sent a few over to 
to Kickstarter, and that that got, that got quite a few sales going. Kind of kind of pushed the flywheel a little bit, um, but it's definitely not easy to to do uh, a Kickstarter, or at least not a low effort. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And there, there's a caveat too: is a lot of people in the Kickstarter world they get themselves in a situation where they get all the orders and they have all the money, but then they can't actually fulfill, like they have a problem with the manufacturer, they didn't test the manufacturer, and then maybe it's a too low quality, or maybe they have to delay the shipment by six months or something, and then they have to get back the money. So it's not without its risk as well, it's just, it is an option out there if you are Absolutely. really strapped on, on the capital. And uh, so I, we had, I think, 120 backers or 140, something like that. And so that's 140, 120 people that you have their email address to that you that are um, so into your product that they're willing to buy it before without even seeing it or knowing that it's going to ship soon. So they're uh, like your fans, your groupies already. You can get product feedback from them, and you can once you launch on Amazon, send them a, a promo code for like 50% off or or something like that, and then. They go and buy on Amazon and then later say, hey, do you mind reviewing if you bought? And you can get a verified review. So it's, it's a good Amazon launch strategy as well. Yeah, no doubt, eh? Um, so let's talk a little bit about scaling up. So you got your first couple products on Amazon. Um, was it, for you, was it just a matter of coming out with new designs for pillowcases, just um, as soon as the, the cash flow could allow? Or I don't know how your manufacturing process works. Maybe it wasn't do you have to pay the manufacturer for hundreds of units of each design as you go through? How, how did that whole scaling up process go for you? So I feel like we have a pretty good situation. Uh, so not everything is, is the same. A lot of them you have to buy in bulk and just take the risk. But so we started making stuff at home. It was my wife doing it all. And so she, was, she made those 70 pillowcases in a, in a day or two days or whatever when we were still making it ourselves. Um, so that's if you are like a, doing a handmade product or something you can do in-house then that's that makes it a little easier you can start fulfilled by merchant and then once it starts to sell then you sell then you send it into Amazon for FBA and we still do that to some extent so like uh, I don't know maybe half of our sales or so are products that once we run out of st stock FBA, we can switch over to FBM and uh, do uh, fulfill from our partner manufacturer in North Carolina. So we like when we launch a new product, if we're not very confident with it, we can just, we just throw the listing up. We don't even make it. And then uh, when someone buys it, then we'll make it and ship it out. And then we'll start sending in stock to Amazon. That is the pretty much dream way to be able I, yeah. to scale a company. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there are products that I have, like I like for this Reflectos brand, I have a little clip light just as a product. As I was waiting for my manufacturing to get going, I was like, all right, what else could I do? And found that there's a, these little lights you can clip on for runners or cyclists. And I saw that there were, uh, at the time, there wasn't any that uh, could you could Put around your wrist like the velcro straps weren't long enough and people complained about it and in some of the reviews so i got one i made one that did i just uh private labeled it in china found a manufacturer i think i found out found them on alibaba at the time and uh 
So I bought a bunch and sent them in. And when they arrived, there were a bunch more competition. And that problem had been solved about having the, the, link, the wrist strap. So um, it's a risk. Uh, my margin on that product is probably one of the lowest. But it's super easy to do because I just buy and send it in Amazon. And they're small and light, so the, the costs are pretty low. Yeah, and it's like unfortunate you can't just like get your wife to make up all these lights in, I know, uh, in the yeah. living room and test <laughs> it out on a small scale. That'd right? be great, yeah. Yeah, and that is the, the big challenge when you're, you're getting started on Amazon. You have to make your bet with, you know, probably at least 300 units of your product to, to avoid going out of stock, right? You can't just send in 10 units and then, sure, they all sell through, but then it's going to take you another 20 days to get them manufactured, another 10 days for air shipping, and then get into Amazon. Um, you're gonna have to go with at least 300 units off the start, right? So yeah, pretty yeah. awesome situation you got going on there. Yeah, and uh, another product that I did uh, back in the hoverboard days. I don't know if, any, if anybody uh, <laughs> I have, have one. a hoverboard have one, like right behind you guys. Yeah, over there. Yeah, they're kind of I mean, the fire extinguisher close by. Yeah, they're fun. Huh? <laughs> uh, if you have a dry mop, you could make quick work of the of the floors. So yeah, that, that's actually how we. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I was with my company that I was working for at the time, uh, went over to China fair, fairly often and uh, met with uh, the original manufacturer of the, the Smart, uh, which makes the Iohark, Iohawk hoverboards. And so I was like, oh, this is a big trend. It's going to be huge for Christmas. So I, I bought some of them. I can't remember, like maybe $10,000 worth of them. But these were... High, like I paid three hundred dollars for each of them, and so I like I bought them and they were shipping. And on on the way in, people started selling them for three hundred dollars on Amazon. Not the same model, mm -hmm. and then uh, that same model it was being sold for like a thousand dollars or nine hundred dollars when I placed the order, and it was down to like seven hundred or six hundred, and uh, it was just the like. I came out ahead, but barely on it. It was a lot of stress. That was like right after we started selling on Amazon. Yeah, well, and you missed a real bomb with that one too. Like as you as you know, I don't know if anyone in here is familiar what happened to those hoverboard things, but they all started catching on fire, and like they a lot of people got in a situation where they had a container of these things coming from China, and now all of a sudden they can't sell them because there was like some big ban on them for a while. Uh, yeah, I had like uh, three or four left, and Amazon said no more hoverboards. Period. This was like, like uh, Cyber Week or something like that. It's, it's like right as the Christmas sales are starting to really pick up, and so I was like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> I had to sell them on eBay. I think the remaining. Yeah, I'm lucky that you got rid of them before. And lucky yeah. that I didn't like have a container of them. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's the scary thing. Like, yeah. I would just really mention to you guys who are getting started, like try to avoid the trendy products too. Those are like they meteoric rise and the numbers look so good, but the fall is equally meteoric. You look at fidget spinners. Like um, the guy, my original mastermind buddy, actually, he sold like 750 grand worth of fidget spinners during that period. Like $50 a piece metal fidget spinners, and, but he got caught with, um, I think like four or 500 units of that on the tail end of that. And you know, the sales were like this and all of a sudden no one wanted them anymore. And he's still actually selling through those units, like at 15,000 or $20,000 worth of inventory, whatever that was. So 
the trendy stuff is sure if you time it perfectly and then get out of the right time you can make a lot of money but the if you're good at that, are, you're just, not that good at trend surfing. Yeah, if you're good at that, if you're good at time in the market, then maybe get into day trading. <laughs> totally, yeah. You should go play the stock market. <laughs> I we actually sold fidget spinners and uh, did okay. But I, if you have, you have, if you're gonna do a trend thing, try to have some angle on it. So I partnered with some uh, radio personalities in North Carolina, and uh, they have like a ton of like followers. They were the number one radio station show morning show. And so it was, uh, they just like posted it on their huge Facebook following, drove a ton of traffic to it. We didn't even have brand registry. So that was how we got out of it because um, of the problems without being able to protect the, the product. Um, but we were able to get in, sell, like we we're selling 100 a day until we sold out and then just stopped. Yeah, so luckily if, just if you have right If time. you have some kind of angle, like from either marketing or you're adding some some kind of value to it of the, of the physical product. That's what you need something like that to to be really effective. So let's uh, let's talk for a bit about what are some of the things that you wish someone was telling you when you just started out. Uh, well, I kind of wish that somebody would have said just just quit your job, <laughs> just do it, just focus on it. <laughs> But that's with with hindsight. I'm not sure I would tell people that because I'm I'm kind of risk averse and would rather have it as a side hustle until I can start to see some some profits on it. Um, I think some of the things that I wish I would have done sooner was uh, just right away start going to these things. I probably one of the so there are two things that really got me going that uh, I learned a ton about selling on Amazon uh, when I first started, and I just wish I would have done them sooner. One was uh, going to um, a meetup. I was in Montreal, and they had a, had a meetup there, and uh, it was just every week we would meet and talk. There was, mo there was a pretty good rotation, and just hearing from other people, getting excited, learning that it's possible, getting ideas about uh, sponsored products or things like that. Uh, was really helpful, I learned a ton. So that, and then I went to Prosper. Uh, the Prosper show is like an Amazon sellers conference. Uh, I think it's the only one that focuses just on Amazon. It's pretty big now. So I went to that first one and uh, learned, learned a ton. Went to the second one, didn't learn as much, and then skipped the third one. Um, but. Definitely, if you're starting off, go to a trade show. I think the one down in Seattle is probably pretty good. SCOE. I don't know if you've ever been to it. SCOE. Yeah, I haven't heard of that one, but there's there's a ton of them popping up these IC, days. IRCE. There's there's probably a solid like twelve big ones that happen every year um, throughout the United States, Europe, <coughs> and some places in Asia. Um, really good one I went to in December was Capitalism Conference by Ryan Daniel Moran. I don't know if you guys follow Freedom Fast Lane. Um, yeah, he's one of the guys that I got started with, but he has a really good conference in December. Not necessarily Amazon focused, but um, I just like to parrot what you said about the value of showing up to those kind of places just from the, the value of the people that you meet. It's not necessarily the content that you're going to learn from the speakers, like some new hack or something. It's probably going to be you're just like having dinner with or having a drink with someone or like in between some of the presentations, you're just going to learn some cool little trick or something they're doing that can change your business. Or you're going to 
you're going to find out that you're in the same niche and you can help each other out or something like that. Um, so the value of the people that you meet um, and the ideas that you can kind of exchange at these conferences, I think is super, super valuable, like you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, a couple of other things I probably would, like if I could go back in time and t talk to myself in 2014, just when we were starting, I think I would uh, try to, I would want to know about how to, uh, how to run ads. And I, I would have started learning that, learning the ins and outs as soon as possible. It's another thing that is, is kind of key to growth on Amazon. Yeah, and let's talk about that a little bit more specifically. So like, you're saying that in hindsight. So right now you're focusing a lot on Amazon sponsored ads, Facebook ads. What is your, your main focus? Amazon ads. And then uh, doing the, the headline search uh, and then get brand registered as well. That's another thing that like some people don't don't do right away. Like regardless of what your product is, get sign up get get a trademark. It's like 250 bucks, 225 bucks online to get a trademark for someone in the US and uh, and then get brand registered. It's like it's a 6 months process, so start it as soon as possible. Yeah, it's super important. Like Amazon just keeps adding more benefit to the brand registry program. You get access to like an enhanced brand content descriptions. Like a, they're going to be releasing video soon for that. A lot I just of got are in beta for that. I just got, on, just got the yeah, video beta. Beta on uh, my two accounts. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, like stuff like that gets rolled out to you. The brand registry sellers first. So like, two hundred fifty bucks. You're gonna have to wait six months to do it. So like, yeah, I I definitely parrot that as well. Like it's do it as soon as possible yeah and then where do you where do you see the future of this company here so i mean 1.8 million dollars a year you are um you're traveling around the world right now like do you plan on turning this like shifting gears into a much larger business or do you like where you're at now what do you what do you see the future of what you're doing so that 1.8 is spread across two accounts one and uh let's see three brands and so the one of the brands I don't own, I'm, I manage the, all the Amazon sales. And I, the reason why I started that was for the diversification to spread things out. So if something happened with my account or with, with my, uh, my personal brands, it uh, have a little bit of coverage there for the risk. And so with, uh, so with the different, the two different brands, that one, I'm still going strong with that. We have, uh, uh, some new ideas to, to grow for growth that we're starting on there, but it's nice because I don't have to manage the product sourcing or the like any of the copy or anything. Uh, it's all stuff on Amazon. I say I need this, and then we do that. For my brands, the Reflectos socks and the pillowcases, they're both uh, showing some strong growth. The Reflectos, like I said, I got several new products, all with like the that fit in the tagline of visibility in motion. And, and then with the pillowcases, we hired an artist that is working on commission that is helping us create some new designs. I have like, I work on the, uh, uh, like what is the, the good area to, to do it and uh, what, like some ideas. And then uh, she, this artist runs with that and then she can, <clears throat> I don't even have to touch it and, and we can get the product launched 
right now. So it's uh, it's it's kind of just uh, keep it going. We're doing this uh, travel thing. My wife is now. It's kind of shifted gears away from the creating designs to um, being a travel influencer and uh, building the social media presence there. She's got like 15,000 followers on Instagram and, and growing it from there. So it's, uh, it's we're just kind of trying to grow, grow it all. I guess uh, spreading it out, it means nothing grows super fast, but they're yeah, well, it sounds like you're doing a good job of leveraging it, right? Like the new designs on commission from this artist, um, that's a big leverage of your time. You don't have to go out and like create all these intricate instructions for designers all the time. You just have this designer who's incentivized yeah. to do that for you, right? Right. That yeah. sounds like a great way to scale your time. Uh, it also sounds like you're not planning on stopping traveling anytime soon if your wife is moving her focus over into no. a travel vlogger, no. vlogger right? We, uh, so uh, we're actually planning to travel outside of the U.S. for two years. Uh, and two years, so one more year or two more years additionally on to... Two, two more years starting uh, in June, the beginning of June. So. Wow, yeah, that's, that's a lot, man. Yeah, outside we'll see if we can US. make it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're gonna do the whole Thailand thing, the go to a bunch of the different digital nomad hubs, so to speak, because there's like a lot of areas that you can go that there's a lot of people doing these Amazon businesses, like in the middle of Thailand, um, Taiwan. There's a lot yeah. of people in Taiwan. Yeah, I, I have a friend that's in, in Chiang Mai is like the, the place to go, right? In, in Thailand for digital nomads. And then Bali is another hotspot. So um, we'll, we got those both on our list, places to go. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one thing I find so funny is that it sounds like, oh, let's go live and work on the beach in Thailand or something like that. But it's actually a really big entrepreneur community in, in a lot of those cities. And it can actually be a good move to go live there for a little while. And it could actually make some really good business connections and surround yourself with some inspiring entrepreneurs, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't really get the pull for Chiang Mai since it's not on the beach, but uh, there are tons yeah. <laughs> of people there. Maybe some of you guys have been there, but uh, so we have to go check it out firsthand. Here there are lots of elephants. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we have a, a pretty big, pretty big um, beginner crowd in here. What would you say, um, if you were getting started today in today's 2018 Amazon climate, what would you look for as far as like product research, like what kind of products would you be looking at? What kind of products would you be trying to stay totally away from? So I would focus again on that adding value and seeing where the pain points are for you specifically so that you can be your target audience and know what, to, what kinds of things people are looking for and, and how to make it awesome. Uh, I would probably, I would definitely learn if you have time right now I would learn as much as you can a friend of mine really likes uh, and a couple friends of mine they're doing pretty well for themselves one in pets and one in uh, uh, toilet related products <laughs> they're doing <laughs> both 100k or so a month and they started um, in 2015 both of them using the amazing.com videos and uh, what are they they're the try or the not the tribe, the thing, the conferences that they do that are like $5,000 or something. You go into Vegas for a week or yeah, well, like call. amazing puts on some conferences. Maybe it's <coughs> one of those. Yeah. One of those. Yeah. And, uh, I think that would be a lot better way to go about it than I did, which was kind of the 
super cheap way, which worked, but it's uh, like just listening to podcasts like um, Scott Volker's podcast is what I started on. He's, uh, what's his podcast called? Uh, the Amazing Seller? Yeah, The Amazing Seller. The Scott Amazing Volker. Seller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still going, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. I, um, I met him because he's in uh, just across the border from North Carolina. And he was doing a meetup, so he's uh, still going strong, doing kind of changing his business model, but he's he's doing all right. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Well, I'd just like to, to thank you for coming out and sharing all this experience that you have with us here. Um, if you guys want, I have a Facebook group for Amazon sellers. Um, it's called Amazon Value Library. If you just search that on Facebook, you can join the group. Um, a lot of local Amazon sellers in there, and I try to be fairly active in there. Um, posting content and answering people's questions. So if you guys want to reach out to me, you guys can do that. And Ben, how can how can people reach out to you if they want to um, if they want to find you online? Uh, probably the best would be to go to our Reflectos website or on Instagram and connect with me there. I guess with their brand. It's Reflectos, Reflectos yeah. like toes on your feet. Reflect T O E S. Yeah. yeah. Oh, these socks have. Uh, the bleach monster got him. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's our Facebook name again? Facebook is um, Amazon Value Library. Yes. All right. Awesome. Well, let's give it up for Ben, guys. Thank you very much for coming out. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Really fun. Super excellent. For show notes and resources mentioned in this episode, visit KenjiROI.com.